what is SMHR's role in the evolving mental health research landscape? And the idea behind the pre-conference forum was that we get, were giving our members and delegates the opportunity to pose questions to that panel or have a discussion about what they would like that panel to address. I suppose I'm sort of posing a question to the people who said they'd be interested in learning more about translational research. Does that mean at a future SMHR conference it might be valuable to have a workshop where people in translational teams were presenting that kind of information? Calvin and I have like kind of come up to a research team where every project is applied almost always and I didn't actually know that it would be a valuable thing to run a workshop on that because you know you live in your own little silo and you don't really know what else other people are experiencing. So maybe next year that's something that could happen. Yeah, just to add to that, I think we work with Love, like Lives Live Well is an industry partner. So they're a um, government funded, I believe, organisation that addresses mental health and substance use. So a lot of the research that we do at the University of Queensland is implemented through Lives Live Well. And it's kind of a feedback loop where we work out what's worked for Lives Live Well and what hasn't and what the evidence at the current time is saying and how that develops over time as well as new research comes out. So I, I think that's what some people were saying about implementation being a really key part of research and it's not often that you'd get to see that. Um, so I guess unknowingly it is very lucky that we got to be a part of that process in some you know, capacity, mm -hmm. even if it's just working as a research assistant or mm. small bits here and there. And having industry partners now that we talk about it, it's just incredibly valuable and it is a really mutually respectful relationship. They value what we can offer and we really value being able to apply our research. So I, um, I'm not entirely sure what direction that means. It's, it takes a lot of time and energy to build industry partnerships, but it clearly is very valuable and has exciting outcomes for both sides. Getting non-researchers to care about our work, I think, is a challenge. I mean, in the broader landscape, even, you can actually see very anti-science kind of stuff going on around climate or anything, and mental health and, you know, it, it, it's policy and political dynamics around a lot of the prevention-based ideas that we would have about social determinants of mental health. So I think it's important to acknowledge there is a political element. Um, yeah, and getting non-researchers to care about our work. I mean, we've talked about ways of doing that by involving end users at the start, but the general public or um, people in politics or people in organisations, you know, that's that's been an ongoing challenge to get them to care. But there's some positive examples we've seen in the workplace area now. There's going to be regulation of those psychosocial working conditions. That's only taken about 20 years. But the, for those of us in the field, are a bit excited about those developments. So it can happen. It's just it takes a lot of time and a lot of hard work and a lot of um, voices. Yeah, so in response to your question about how do we get non-academics to be interested in our work, I feel like um, what keeps coming to mind is relationships with like communities and community stakeholders, and I think that takes a long time to build really trusting relationships, and especially with young people in our area of research and suicide prevention, 
I think we underestimate how much time it takes to, to build really safe, trusting relationships so that they trust coming into our space and sharing their knowledge and their expertise. Um, and that in doing so, we form those partnerships and actually shape our research around what they're telling us. And then inherently, the, the outcomes are addressing community needs. Yes. And so I feel like I'm still getting my head around what implementation research is, but I feel like by forming partnerships with the people who we're researching, we can better um, address need. And like at Origin, we do a good job at you know youth engagement and lived experience engagement, but I think a lot of the time we go to young people with preformed ideas and we say, well, how does this look? What do you think? What can we do? Whereas some really cool work that Laura's been doing <laughs> is actually um, giving community members an opportunity to tell us, well, like from the very beginning, shaping the research questions, um, what are issues that you're facing that you want us to, to tackle? I know it's much easier said than done, but um, yeah. I feel like to have support around how to actually do that, how to build those relationships. One thing I was going to say before, and Charlie just helpfully touched on my work, which I'll be presenting later in the conference, it sort of touches on several of those points. So identifying key areas of focus, I think that's a stage of research which systematically people with lived experience aren't involved in. It's like you say, Charlie, we already know what we want to research, whether it's from the literature or our own biases or whatever, we've already got it in our head as researchers. And then we go to people with lived experience and say, we think we should do this, what do you think? <laughs> um, so that's one thing that I've been really trying to do is to, to literally start from the bottom and say, what do you think we should be researching? What's important to you as an end user of whatever research we're doing? Um, but a huge issue is funding for that because obviously, you know, that's often the work that you're doing before you've applied for grant funding to actually do the work. And it takes time and money. We all, we all know that to do that well, um, takes time and money. So. I don't know what SMHR's position is on funding or whatever, but if there is funding opportunities and that's something you'd like to do, I think it's great. Like I know in the UK, some organisations have just like a really small pot of money that you can apply for to do that like prelim work to get people to read through applications and protocols and all that stuff. Um, that's something that I'd really like to see, some more funding for that very, very early stages of research. And I was actually just thinking then, so like in the like I've done this sort of very very mini priority setting exercise with young people in suicide prevention um but actually maybe SMHR want to think about doing a much broader you know like a James Lind Alliance framework you've obviously got all these researchers that are working in mental health that all know the gaps in the field and then you know their networks they might have people with lived experience and so forth and so forth actually maybe SMHR want to coordinate some sort of um, priority setting exercise where we can really focus on what the gaps are and what we should be focusing on moving forward and make sure that people with lived experience voice is in that. It's not just the researchers saying, well, I think we should do this because everyone's just going to say their own area of research, basically. So, yeah. And I'm not sure what your, your area with um, people with lived experience is, but what I've found coming from the clinical perspective is that lots of those ideas will come from researchers or they will come from people with lived experience but then they stop at clinicians because they're not mm -hmm. um, open to or th there's just lots of blocks to that translation and that implementation into clinical practice particularly at the acute care stages mm. of, of care so I think they need to be brought along that ride from the beginning as well and yep. it can be sort of I think there's some good research that can be done when those groups are brought along in tandem um, and those research mm -hmm. questions are developed 
almost as a team yeah. <laughs> of people that include the clinicians so that they can also champion that work going into practice. Because yeah. I think, yeah, there's a, there's a big gap and there's a big translational problem mm -hmm. at that point. You've got kind of the individuals, but then you've got the systems in which um, also deliver those services and, I th and, and also at a much higher level than that, you've got government and policy. So we really need to be penetrating all those levels and translation happens at, at multiple parts along that, I guess, hierarchy. Um, one of the th practical things that maybe SMHR might consider to help kind of bridge that translation is even, you know, a, a monthly sector spotlight, um, because many of us have connections with, with government and other um, organisations, and I'd be very happy to once, you know, if, if someone was to come to me and say, what are some of the challenges you face from a government practical perspective, put it out there to researchers, and they might then be, you know, mm -hmm. able to produce research that's part of the solution. Um, so my example, I'm an assistant director with the National Disability Insurance Agency in um, evidence and research synthesis for those and the practical problems that are faced in that sector are quite different to, to what individuals, um, the, the end users experience, but we've also got to solve the systems level problems as well. So that's kind of one of the practical solutions. If you want to bridge translation opportunities, that's, that could be yeah, one, one avenue. also a difficulty in um, identifying who our end users are um, depending on what type of mental illness we're talking about. So I specifically look at symptoms of anxiety and depression and that can affect anyone. No one is immune to that. So for me an end user could be any person on the planet um, and so you know, if you're asking me how do I engage end users, well, I have to think about the media um, because that's how I'm going to be engaging, you know, uh, the, the non-researcher end, end users in my, um, in my particular research. It's, you know, it's not um, as clear-cut clinically to a specific type of people or a specific type of, of service. So... Um, yeah, I think that this really can, it can be vastly, vastly different depending on exactly, you know, um, our type of research. Something we usually do with the conference is a media training workshop, um, but they were unable to make it because of our multiple changes of date. <laughs> but that is a, a bit of a stalwart of the SMHR conference. Um, but that doesn't necessarily have to be run just around the conference. So there could be opportunities for, to, for us to provide that to members throughout the year at multiple times. So that's something worth looking into. Our team is lucky to have an industry partner, um, but that's not a particularly you know, useful thing to say to um, people, especially early career researchers who want to form an industry partnership. It takes, you know, like I said before, it takes time. And I was thinking practically what the society could actually do about that. At UQ, at the University of Queensland, we have something to the effect of a startup school where it's taken a long time for it to develop, but it's got to the point where organisations come to the startup school knowing that they can get trained, um, you know, sort of passionate young um, people at university 
to be part of this um, startup school and they might do something like help them develop their website. The young person gets the experience and gets something great on their CV and the organisation gets some assistance in something they need a specific skill set for. So it got me thinking about the sort of lunchtime competition thing that's happening in the conference, I think it's tomorrow. So, um, you know, the pitch idea. So I wonder if over time the society could get to a point where you actually have organisations interested in, for example, posing a problem to those teams, mm -hmm. and that way the society is helping the researchers connect with the industry, and if, if good things happen at the conference, it could grow into something further for researchers. Mm -hmm.